for today is from Mark chapter 1. Please stand for the reading of God's word. Mark chapter 1, verse 1 to 13. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth into Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming out up from the water, he saw heaven being torn open and a spirit descended on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the spirit sent him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and angels attended him. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Will you pray with me? Living God, help us to hear your message to us this morning and grant us the faith to trust and obey. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, this morning's message could not be more straightforward. It's a simple invitation, and I can summarize it in two words. Be baptized. Now, the eagle-eyed among you may have noticed that we began our series of sermons in the Gospel of Mark, not at Mark chapter 1, verse 1, but at chapter 1, verse 14. We intentionally held back the first verses of the Gospel to talk about when we held a baptismal service, because the opening of Mark's Gospel is all about baptism. Verse 4, so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. And John's message is in verse 8, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And Mark goes on to say, at that time, Jesus of Nazareth, uh, sorry, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. 
So all about baptism. However, we are not going to do a verse-by-verse exposition of that chapter this morning, those verses this morning. Rather, uh, this morning's service will be a, a topical sermon on baptism. We had intended to hold a baptismal service today, which is why these things were put together. But for various reasons, that baptism service has been uh, postponed until next month. The benefit of that, however, is that this morning's message can be your invitation to participate personally in that baptismal service next month. And for those of you who are already baptized as believers, this is an invitation to remember the significance of your baptism once again. So why do people get baptized? Followers of Jesus have been baptizing people since before the church even existed. Jesus baptized his own disciples. The disciples baptized many in the crowds who were beginning to follow Jesus. But even before that, John the Baptist was baptizing people in the River Jordan for the forgiveness of their sins. Baptism has been practiced by almost every branch of the Christian church for nearly 2,000 years. Why? Why do people get baptized? Well, the New Testament gives us multiple reasons why we should be baptized. And this morning, I want to touch briefly on seven of these reasons. And the first is obedience. Being baptized, uh, by being baptized, uh, people are being obedient to the example of Jesus. Mark tells us that Jesus traveled from Nazareth in Galilee to be baptized by John in the River Jordan. So people today are baptized in obedience to Jesus' example. They're also baptized in obedience to Jesus' command. The last words of Jesus recorded in Matthew's gospel are, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. When churches like ours baptize people today, we're obeying that command to baptize people in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. There will have been thousands of baptisms of people from every nation carried out today, just as there are every single day all across the world. And all of this is in obedience to Jesus' command. So people are baptized in obedience to Jesus' example, in obedience to Jesus' command, and also in obedience to the practice and teaching of the New Testament church. The story of the earliest church in the book of the Acts of the Apostles is absolutely full of baptisms. New believers are baptized in Acts chapters 1, 2, 8, 9, 10, 11, 16, 18, 19, and 22. Baptism was a foundational, a fundamental part of the earliest church's practice, and it has remained so ever since. So those who've been baptized today somewhere in the world have done so in obedience to Jesus, the Bible, and the church. 
But what does baptism mean? What does it signify? The most famous conversion story in history is surely the conversion of Paul. Paul would go on to be the greatest of the early church's leaders, but before his conversion, he hated the church, and he was actively persecuting and imprisoning Christians. It was while he was traveling to arrest Christians that he met Jesus on the road from Jerusalem to Damascus, and he was blinded by that experience. The account of Paul's conversion is so important to the New Testament as an example to us that it's given to us in Acts chapter 9. And then it's given to us again in Acts chapter 22. And just in case we haven't got the message, it's given to us again in Acts chapter 26. In chapter 22, we get the account in Paul's own words. He tells us what happened immediately after he encountered Jesus. This is Acts 22, verse 12. A man named Ananias came to see me, says Paul. He was a devout observer of the law and highly respected by all the Jews living there. He stood beside me and he said, Brother, receive your sight. And at that very moment, I was able to see him. Then he said, The God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear words from his mouth. You will be his witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. And now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. So a second reason that people are baptized is as a sign that their sins have been washed away by Jesus. You'll have gathered from my accent that I'm from England, and I remember a, a vicar, minister of a priest of an, uh, an English uh, Anglican church, uh, telling me a little bit about how they did baptisms. They were in a, a, quite a, a tough area in London, and they were an Anglican church, but what they did was they put a dumpster at the front of the church. People in the neighborhood would come to the baptismal service, and they would understand what was happening. Even though they had no biblical background, no teaching about baptism and the like before, they would understand, because what do you do with a dumpster? You leave your garbage in it. And that's what baptism is, the washing away of all the garbage in our lives. The Bible says that in baptism, the, the symbolic washing in water is a sign of cleansing from sin, washing your sins away. A third reason for people getting baptized is that it is a public declaration of this decision to follow Christ. The Bible states that baptism is the primary way for people to confess their faith in Jesus, to declare their trust in him as their Savior and Lord to their families and friends, to others in the church, to those outside of the church, to the principalities and powers and even to those who hate the church. Remember what Ananias said to Paul, you will be his witness to all people of what you've seen and heard. And the first act of that witness, even before Paul takes any food, is for him to be baptized. And today, sometimes we feel uncomfortable about baptism. It's a very strange act. 
come to a church building, which many people are not familiar or comfortable with, and then you climb fully clothed into a pool of water. You'll dip backwards into that, and hopefully you've remembered a change of clothes so that when you're dried off, you, you come back and you join the congregation. It just, it's a very uncomfortable, awkward, peculiar thing. And people are embarrassed and awkward about it. I don't want to be the center of attention, I've heard people say. And yet I think it's that very strangeness that demonstrates that Jesus comes first in your life. No matter what others think, declaring and demonstrating that I follow Jesus is more important to me. A fourth reason the Bible gives for people to be baptized is that it marks a surrender of their old life and the beginning of a new life in Christ. The Bible pictures the the lowering of the person down into the water and then raising them up out again as a symbol of death and resurrection to a new life. In Romans chapter 6, Paul says, All of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Going into the water and coming out again is like burying the old life and rising up to a new life. I don't know whether you've thought of it this way, but a baptism service is a funeral service where the corpse gets raised from the dead right in front of our eyes. In the early centuries of the church, funerals were actually seen as the culmination of a person's baptism. When the body was placed in the grave, everyone knew what was going to happen next, the resurrection from the dead. And they knew that because they'd seen it enacted for them in that person's baptism. If we've been united with Jesus in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. And how were we united with him in a death like his? Through baptism, says Paul. Baptism in which we mark the surrender of our old life and the beginning of our new life in Christ points forward to the resurrection from the dead on the last day. A fifth reason for people being baptized is that it signifies their joining of a church community. The church itself came into being when its first great sermon was preached at Pentecost, and thousands of people responded by being baptized. Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, was preaching about Jesus to a great crowd at a festival in Jerusalem. And he finished his message to them by saying, Let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And Luke, writing the book of Acts, continues with the story. And he says, When the people heard this, 
They were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, that's us, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many words he pleaded to them and warned them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. To those who accepted his message and were baptized, about 3,000 were added to their number that day. And the passage goes on to describe the life of the church that was formed from those 3,000 who were baptized on that first day of the church. So the Bible makes clear in this passage and in others that baptism is a statement of commitment to a community of faith. It's an opportunity to declare and to know that you belong to a church family. Sixth, all through the Gospels, the book of Acts, and the New Testament letters, the Bible links baptism in water with baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's perhaps tempting to read John the Baptist's words in Mark chapter 1, verse 8, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. It's maybe tempting to think of those words as if John is saying, baptism in water is going to be totally replaced by baptism in the Holy Spirit. But that is not what happens. Jesus is baptized in water, and then the Spirit descends on him like a dove. Years after his own baptism, Paul traveled to Ephesus, and the book of Acts tells us there in Ephesus he found some disciples. And Paul asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we've not even heard there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked them, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. See what happens there. Paul asks these disciples whether they have received the Holy Spirit. They reply that they haven't even heard of the Holy Spirit. And Paul baptizes them in water, and they receive the Holy Spirit. Baptism in water and the Holy Spirit are intimately linked. Now, the book of Acts gives us all kinds of different pictures of this. Some people are filled with the Holy Spirit and then baptized in water. Some are baptized in water and then receive the Holy Spirit. Some, such as those in this passage, are baptized in water, then years later baptized in water again, and then filled with the Holy Spirit. And the point is, however these things occur, baptism in water and baptism with the Holy Spirit are connected. Now, I wonder if you noticed there that these men were baptized again because they hadn't confessed faith in Jesus for themselves in their first baptism. 
Now, I mean a lot of people who are in similar circumstances to this. They didn't confess Jesus for themselves when they were baptized, often as infants, or when they were confirmed as teenagers or even adults. Now they have a a certain faith in Jesus, but they also feel conflicted because they don't regard their, their earlier baptism or confirmation as nothing. Well, here, Paul doesn't negate the former baptism that these men have had. He doesn't reject it or despise it. He simply baptizes them again as believers in Jesus. And for those of you in those sorts of circumstances, let me just commend this example to you. But for most, the regular pattern is that when we are baptized, we confess Jesus as Savior and Lord, and we invite him to come and to dwell in us by his Holy Spirit. Baptism in the Holy Spirit does not replace baptism in water. Throughout the New Testament, these two are held together. The practical step of declaring that you will live all of the rest of your life for Jesus and the filling of the Holy Spirit which enables you to do so. So, six reasons to be baptized. One, obedience to Jesus, to the teaching of the Bible, to the practice of the early church. Two, as a sign that your sins have been washed away by Jesus. Three, as a public declaration of your faith in Christ. Four, to mark the surrender of your old life and entry into a new life in Christ. Five, to signify joining the church community. And six, to invite the Holy Spirit to empower you to follow Jesus all the days of your life. So let me close with a seventh and final challenge to be baptized. We find it in the passage in Mark chapter 1 that we read. John the Baptist is sent by God to prepare the way for the Lord. All four Gospels tell us that John discerns that this task of preparing the way for the Lord is accomplished by him primarily by baptizing people. It's quite striking that. He doesn't simply come announcing that God is about to do a new thing. He comes baptizing people. And this activity, baptizing people to prepare the way for the Lord to do a new thing among them, this activity is so central to John's work that the Gospels call him, and we have known him for these past 2,000 years, as John the Baptist. It's become his name. That's how important it was to him. And there's a great deal that we could say about why John appears in the wilderness why he baptizes in the Jordan River, why he dresses and eats the way that he does, and about how profoundly successful he is. Mark tells us that the whole Judean countryside, all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. But the essential point for us to recognize this morning is that baptism prepares us for God to act in our lives in a new way. The humility the obedience, the faith that it takes to get baptized opens us up to the Lord's action in our lives in new and deeper ways. Now, I know that there are some of you here this morning 
who are followers of Jesus, but who've never given much thought to baptism before. Let me invite you to take this important step of commitment. And I know that there are others here who've been putting this off. You have all sorts of justifications for doing so, but you know deep down that there are excuses. Won't you determine here and now to trust Jesus in this? Some will be saying, I've been a Christian for many years. I know that my sins are forgiven. Why do I need to be baptized? May I humbly suggest that that is not the right question? The right question is, why are you resisting the clear call, the clear command of Scripture? Why would you not follow Jesus' example in being baptized if you say that you want to follow him? Friends, in the words of Peter in that first ever sermon in the history of the church, and the people asked what they must do in response to the message of Christ, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. I'm just going to give you a few moments in quiet to talk with the Lord about this before the band come and lead us in a hymn of response. So the invitation this morning is uh, one to have courage and faith. If you've not yet been baptized and yet you are a follower of Jesus, let me just invite you again. Please come and speak uh, to myself, to Justin, to any one of the church leaders uh, about being baptized. We're going to hold a baptismal service. This time I'm fairly confident it will happen at the end of next month. And between then and now, we'll have a baptismal classes where you can come and ask any questions. Rebecca is going to uh, run those next month. Uh, if you want to come and speak to someone about baptism this morning, if you'd like to say you'd, you want to be baptized, then um, Justin is going to stand in, in, right in front of the piano here. Uh, so please do uh, come and speak to him. Uh, and if you've been resisting uh, this call for some time, and I, I, I totally understand uh, your feelings. I've had many conversations with people who uh, have had experiences of baptism in their lives before and are struggling with uh, should they be baptized again and such like. Please do come and speak to someone uh, about that. Please do um, don't let go of this challenge this morning because I do believe it's God's word for us as a church. Now uh, receive this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. You've been listening to the First Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. For more sermons and information about our church's services and programs, please visit firstbc.org.